Hello everyone, welcome to the Untitled Movie... Oh, wait, I already messed it up. The Untitled <laughs> yeah. Film. We're not just talking about movies here, we're talking about film. And as all great critics know, there is a difference. Movies are a lowbrow, we don't care anything about them, they're just pointless, empty entertainment. Film, however, very highbrow. It's for the rich people, the elites. Because they're the only ones who can understand them. So we are the elites uh, and and we are here to discuss film. So this is the Untitled Film Podcast with uh, Blake Collier, that's me, and my my co-host, Jameson Barsodi. Hey, you got it right this time. You would think <laughs> it... that after so many years of knowing you, I would know that how to say your last name. Well, to be fair to you, <laughs> because we're f- physically in different places, a lot of our relationship has just been through text and various yes. things like that. So you don't get to hear my name said. You just read it and uh, see it. So It's true. And But the two times that you have stopped in Tulsa to stay with us, I'm surprised that we didn't hear your last name at some point during those times. Does that seem weird to you? Uh, well, I mean, just not the kind of people that say your last name all the time. I mean, please just call me Jameson. Mister Barsodi is my father. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good to know. So, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> um. Yeah. So yeah, we're talking about the real shit. We're talking about yeah. films, not movies. Films. films. Yeah. Yes. Good distinction, Blake. I I mean, it's someone has to say it. I mean, it might as well be me because I'm an asshole. So. <laughs> <Might> as- <laughs> so yeah, we're we're uh, we're here today. We're talking about another movie, but we'll get to that here in a second. First off, we have business to get attend to, and that is naming our podcast. Uh, as you know, if you listen to our last episode, our pilot episode, um, you would know that we hadn't come up with the name. We were simply the Untitled Film Podcast, but we had a few ideas last time. I can't even remember what they were, so they can't be that great. Um, but but Jameson came to me a, a few weeks back with what? What was your idea? Well, my idea was that... The whole like goal of the podcast was, I guess, originally so you and I could get together and just talk about movies. Mm-hmm. And then I think it kind of developed in, in a way where my interests are like, I kind of want to watch some movies that have been like in the back of my mind that really aren't like, I don't know, aren't aren't things that I've seen in a while and maybe haven't thought of, haven't read like discourse on in a while or something like that. Um, And I think you were also feeling similarly. Mm -hmm. So I thought, what if we call it flyover films? Because these are films that, you know, are kind of generally forgotten about or just not talked Mm -hmm. about, you know, as much anymore. I don't know. Yeah, It was just... I, yeah, and and I heard this, and I was I, honestly I wasn't in love. 
at the beginning. Um, but but it, it, it kind of it wore me down a little bit. I still wasn't okay. I still wasn't good with fly over. Like for some reason it feels excessively long to me. Like a lot of syllables. So I was like, what is what is in the same vein, but has has a little bit more of a finesse to it. And so I thought fly by. Fly by films. Fly by films. to the point. Yes, there are people who are listening to this right now laughing at me that I am concerned about one syllable. But that one syllable is everything, people. Um, this is why we do a podcast about film. It's the small one-syllable things in life that destroy everything. Yeah, I mean, we can't get it down to, you know... As, as few syllables as the untitled film podcast, but you know, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. But we can take out one, one syllable. Yeah. Uh, so, no, so we finally no, got I, to where we, we, we both kind of liked that. We were still yeah. giving ourselves the ability to, uh, to shout out some new, new names. And, and how did that work out, Jameson? Uh, I just got busy with other things and then I forgot to think of names. So I don't know. It didn't it didn't work out for me because I I just couldn't think of anything better. And and I did think I thought hard. I used my old brain, as they say, and I could not think of anything else. I came up with camera obscura at one point, but that felt like it was a little too on the nose, a little bit too. uh it, I mean, it's it's an actual term. So there's a type of pre-photographic, pre-film camera type of, you know, machinery. But yeah, it was a little too on the nose. Um, but it's also, I think we discovered with that name specifically too, it's hard to, well, and other names, it's hard to come up with a podcast name that isn't a band name already. Exactly. <laughs> So or uh, hasn't been used. By also, on that note, if your band is called Flyby Films, please contact us and we'll figure something else out. Or we'll have you on the show. You know, that I mean, could actually, also work. Reoccurring guests, I would think, would be a nice way to pay them. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you're listening no out there, <laughs> zero money. Absolutely nothing. So, so Jameson did give ourselves the ability during the whole time of this recording that we are on right now to, if we come up with a, a, another name at any point, we're just going to scream it out. Doesn't matter where we are, how serious the topic is. We could be talking about, you know, I don't know, finger breaking, whatever it is, which we will be if talking we yell about it out. If we yell it out, then then that null and voids our current decision and we have to go back into discussion um in, in that moment um but if we make it through this whole recording and, and i hit stop on the recording fly fly by films is our name from here on out and i think you make an important point i'm not gonna let you get through on this if you just whisper the name yeah, you have to, to you shouting. have to yell, you have to shout, shout it. Yeah. 
yeah. yeah. Shout, shout, let it all out. These As they said in the eighties. Things... <laughs> uh, this is good podcast content here. Um... Very, very quality. <laughs> very quality. <laughs> Uh, so do we have any other business? Uh, we, we've come up with our name so far. Well, I have Why some I business. Think? Yeah. Okay. So it's been like four weeks since our last episode. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Uh, I think we Maybe may have... Close a, to five at this point. Yeah. I think we may have alluded to our loyal listeners that uh, that there was a reason why we were going to take so long between the pilot and the next episode. Um, but you and I both did some traveling. Where did you go, Blake? I went to the great land, the great, great green land of Ireland. Well, that's actually partially uh, a lie of omission. I also went to Scotland and Wales and England. But really, I just flew by those at, on my way to Ireland. <laughs> did you fly by the queen? I did. No, she flew by me. Oh. Yeah, she she drove by and waved at me, specifically me. Nice. Uh yeah, the 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 cop on the motorcycle came up and we were just walking on the street in Edinburgh. And all of a sudden we this you get this motorcycle cop stops in the intersection of the street. We knew she was in town because she was staying at the Edinburgh Castle. And uh, so we've, you know, we didn't expect to actually see her. But here we are walking, just sightseeing, probably finding a place to grab a a beer or something. And this motorcycle cop comes up, blocks off the intersection. And here comes this parade of cars coming. And kid you not, as the car turns, we see the queen and she's waving at everybody. And we got it on video. And no, it was not Helen Mirren. Nice. I've heard that she's a stunt double for the Queen. Oh. I mean... She made that movie once. So. She made that movie, uh, <clears throat> The Queen, I think is what it was called. Yeah, and it was very good. But I, I haven't Helen seen Mirren it. not good? Yeah, I don't know. She was in... She had to be seen. Yeah. I'm trying to think. What is my favorite Helen Mirren role? Prime Suspect. I don't know. The TV series from BBC. Nice. It's her best work, easily. Okay. I haven't seen Prime Suspect. Is it good? Yeah. Some good stuff. You kind of have to get past the datedness of it. Oh, no. But it's totally worth it. Blake, you died. Did the internet that, go my out? Friends, is the sound of Jameson's internet freezing. He's currently staring at me, frozen. We're going to see how this goes. If there's a sudden cut in the sound, uh, we'll probably be back and... Oh, he is. He's back. I'm back. He's... I was narrating what was going on so the listeners would know and they wouldn't miss you too much. I'm sure I'm sure they were uh, 
They were very upset <laughs> at my absence. They could feel that there was a loss. Well, I mean, having to listen to this during that whole time is is torture enough. So you've got a you've got a beautiful voice, Blake. I um, like listening. That's very to kind it. of you. Uh, that's very kind. Thank uh, you. It's it's better when I'm sick. I bet it's sexier. It is very much so. Nice. But the um, vomit that happens afterwards, not so much. But yes. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, so, so so I yes. went to Ireland. Okay. And uh and visited the land of my of my son's people. My son being Seamus. He is our Irish potato farmer. He we hope to raise him to be uh one day the old man in an Irish pub who just sits there every day with a beer in front of him and tells stories. That's literally what we have in mind for him. If he hits that mark, he's like success in our, in our minds. So nice. Nice. <laughs> Did you see a lot of, a lot of old men in pubs? No, actually, you know, of course we didn't get to go to actual like hardcore, small country town pubs. Most of the ones we went to were in at least moderately sized town pubs and restaurants and things like that so i mean there were there were older people there but not your typical kind of what americans think of as an irish pub uh where they're singing songs and uh listening to you know old men talk about mythology and crap like that so yeah we didn't get any of that but it was still fun we had a a lot of saw a lot of castles saw a lot of ruins um a lot of ruins. Did because... did you did you see the Loch Ness monster? I did not, and I was I was mm. very sadly sadly uh, deeply saddened. That's what I meant to say. I had to yeah. take a pause there to uh, reorient my mind. Did deeply you see saddened to not see him? But did you see the exciting news this week? I did. I yeah, did. they say that they they apparently saw it. Well, they I don't I read the article and it was like there may have been a dinosaur in that lake. And I was like this doesn't give you conclusive evidence, <laughs> but uh but I think uh they're supposing or they found some evidence that, you know, the Loch Ness monster could exist in there and so nice. Yeah. I saw the article. I didn't read it because, well. That's not what you do in 2022. <laughs> who, re- who reads articles? If it's not, if, if it's not, you know, read to me, then no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, we were there for a week and a half and we had a pretty good travel, uh, too, except for our final flight back from Denver to Tulsa. Um, I got kicked off that flight, had to stay the night in a hotel and then uh, get up early the next morning and take the next flight out. So missed another day of work, but I mean, really, who's sad about that? So, yeah, I get that. I would love to take, you know, more days off work, but I don't know if I would trade days at work for extra travel days 
that's yeah. the only that's the only bar like bad part of that bargain but yeah yeah especially travel days in airports yes and hotels i have a story about a travel day in an airport yeah so so jameson where did you go so i heard you were going to ireland and i said i want to go as far away from blake as possible <laughs> uh no i made that joke last time so if you didn't hear it uh, there you get a ch- another chance to laugh at it um i went to korea so uh i went with a friend of mine who just uh, just for our audience real quick uh to clarify this was north korea uh it yeah <laughs> we snuck <laughs> we snuck into north korea and then we snuck out. No, uh, it was South Korea. We we uh, we flew into Seoul, um, and then we took a train to Busan, uh, and then we took a train away from Busan, <laughs> and then we flew back uh, out of Seoul. No, did, it was. Did you save it, any? Did you save any children while you were on the train to Busan? No. Okay. I sure. didn't save. I didn't need to save any children. There, the the zombies are uh, exaggerated. They're not actually a danger in oh, okay. in real life. Yeah, that's yeah. what film does. Is it it exaggerates? So just oh, so you know, yeah. if you ever if you ever go on a train to Busan, the zombies aren't going to attack you. They're not fast. You know, you'll be fine. So it's like totally. objects may be may be closer than they appear. Exactly, it's totally yeah. safe, totally safe. Um, That's fair. Yeah. Uh, no. So I I went with a, a good friend of mine, uh, and we actually we actually were in ex, inspired to go from one of my favorite movies from the past ten years, uh, The Wailing. Which mm. is great, and I'm, no, it's one I'm, of the greatest. Yeah, it's it. it's incredible. Um, but that movie takes place in the South Korean countryside, and it just looked so green and pretty. And we were like, "Let's go there." And then a couple years later, we made it work. Uh, it was great, except right as we get to our flight in San Francisco. We're about to board at one in the morning and they go, oh, you're connecting flight from Tokyo to Seoul has been canceled and moved from Thursday at eight in the morning to Friday at eight in the morning, Mm. making our layover from four hours to 28 hours. And then, yeah. And we were like, oh, okay, I guess we have to do that. And they were like, wait, we don't know if you're going to get deported back to the United States because you guys don't have visas for Japan. And we were like, we didn't think we needed visas for a four-hour labor. They're like, yeah, but now it's a longer than 24 hours. Uh, and they had to like do a bunch of calling, and we almost like didn't get on the flight. We did. And... When we got there, they were like, yeah, you guys can stay in the airport and that's all. <laughs> you can't go into Japan. 
So um, we had to sleep in the airport and stay for 28 hours, which was definitely the low point of oh, yeah. the trip. So Yeah. But it, it was a great trip. I would still do it again, even knowing, you know, if someone was like, you still have to do that 28-hour layover, I would still do it again. So. so explain to me how it took that long to get there, and yet your flight back only took you four and a half hours. Well, Korea is actually 16 hours in the future. Um, they do everything uh before us so when you when you think you're gonna do something korea has actually already done it and so when i traveled back i was right yeah i was just going from um from the future to uh i guess the present or the present yeah the present yeah yeah because that's our current time zone is the present even yeah, I am technically in the future. Yeah, you are. You are in the future, dude. This podcast is officially the only podcast to time travel. It's like frequency. You and I are talking to each other. I'm talking to you from the future. And you're talking to me from the past. Does that make you my son? Are you? Are you? Uh, wasn't that the? The, I am the, I am Jesus. I am Jesus and you are Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm the dad. Yeah, you're the dad. Oh. See, you're getting your practice in. This is crazy. <laughs> wow. So if you burn something into the desk, I will be able to see it. I don't have a match near me. Oh, that's so. unfortunate. Well, I guess we can do try that next time. Yeah. yeah. So, f- listeners, look forward to uh, the next installment of <clears throat> what is, as of right now, called Flyby Films. When we try this time travel tactic where Jameson burns a word or something into his desk and I tell you what he says. It's going to be a good time. I think you have to... Don't you have to share the same location, though? That's the one thing that we're missing, is you are in the future. So if we can figure out a way to keep you in the future, but also have you in my house, then... Oh. Huh. I feel like there's a way to do that. Yeah. There's got to be. Well, while we think on that, do we want to get into... uh, First off, you didn't actually tell us anything about South Korea. Can you tell us one thing? I told you that that we went to a bunch of ruins. Okay. We went to a bunch of temples. Uh, That was pretty cool. There were a lot of Buddhist temples just everywhere. And they were really, really neat. Um, They would be like kind of built into like hillsides. Um, They would just be in the middle of of the cities um that was that was kind of a blast one thing i really really enjoyed about south korea was the transit system makes so much sense even though i didn't i don't speak korean and the signs were like 
every once in a while would have an English word, but like most of the time they didn't. Mm -hmm. It was still really easy to figure out how to use the subway, how to use the bus system. And Busan is as far away as you can get basically from Seoul um, with in the country, but they use the same card. They use the same Metro card between oh. the two cities. And I'm guessing between all of the cities, but it was just, it, it was just a, a country that like, they had thought about the idea that like, what if some people don't have a car and they want to get around? Let's make our, our transit system, you know, our public transportation system work well. So I really liked that. Yeah. Especially as a tourist, um, not, you know, I didn't want to rent a car in um, a new country. That seems mm -hmm. like a very stressful hassle to me. But uh, yeah, that that makes sense. Hey, we're gonna so we're gonna stop for a second because I just noticed that you say you're offline. Oh no! <laughs> I think I mean, I it shows me that I'm recording. Does it show you you're recording? We should stop and check it out. So we'll be back after these second. messages.
Sorry about that, everyone. We uh, we had a moment there where I was afraid that uh, Jameson's audio was not going to actually be recorded, but everything was well. But we wanted to make sure that we uh, we got everyone's audio and that uh, our explanation of our trips definitely got put into the podcast because that is going to probably be the best part. No. Yeah. Well. Yeah. No. We're gonna we're gonna have better parts. We're gonna have better we're... parts. But that was a good part. That was a good part, yeah. It's like Arch- you can learn about different cultures, sort of. Yeah, sort of. Mostly <laughs> about just two dinguses who went on different vacations. But, exactly. Uh, yeah. But yeah. But it's it's important. It's 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 the ambiance of the podcast. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So so Jameson, you uh you came up with a film at the end of the last episode uh and you you gave it to me and said uh this is your mission if you choose to accept it and i accepted it because i am tom cruise and uh it was the movie computer chess right yes yeah computer chess by the director andrew bujalski and this was the first film I'd seen by him. I'd heard of Support the Girls, but I had not seen any of them. Yeah, Support the Girls is really good. So if you want to check out another one, I, I would definitely recommend that. But Sweet. Yeah. So can you give us a little bit of uh, background on on computer chess? And, and what was your first, like, what what led you to watching this the first time? Okay, that's actually an interesting story. The first time I watched it, I was in Santa Cruz. I was uh, I was in grad school, and I learned about this theater. Uh, it was the the Del Mar, um, and it there was a a yearly festival that I think they were about eight or nine years in at the time called the secret film festival. And what the secret was, wasn't the festival. People were allowed to know about the festival, (laughs) but what the secret was, was uh, what films they played. So um, the deal was you would go at midnight. It would start at midnight and go till 12 and you would watch you know, five or six movies and they wouldn't tell you what they were. Um, They would maybe give you a brief description. Like if you're squeamish, um, then they would kind of like give you a little bit of a, like a warning. Uh, And there were two screens going at the time. So you Mm -hmm. could kind of choose like, Oh, I want the less, you know, bloody one. Um, But uh, I, I went, and that, you know, became the thing that I looked forward to the most um, every year while I was in grad school was the Santa Cruz Secret Film Festival. So if if you're a listener and you happen to be in Santa Cruz and you've never heard of that, I think they took I don't know if they've restarted since uh, 2020, because I know they stopped doing it in 2020 and 2021. What, what happened in 2020? <laughs> the pandemic, you know, there there was a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, yes, I think. Oh, okay. I mean, I mean, you are in the future, so maybe you experienced a different 
timeline? I mean, something like that. I don't even know what the word pandemic means. <laughs> well, in any case, <laughs> they haven't been doing it for the past couple years. I actually don't know if they did it this year. Um, I hope they eventually pick it back up, and you know, and it's con- it continues to be a thing because it's really cool. That's a long way of explaining. The first time I saw computer chess was at one of these secret film festivals. Nice. Um, yeah, and and uh, you know, I probably wasn't in the right frame of mind. It was probably like two or three in the morning, gotcha. and and I had had like five cups of coffee at that point to help push me through the rest mm-hmm. of the festival. Um, and here comes this this scrappy little indie film that uh that looks like it was made you know on a budget of of thirty dollars <laughs> um thirty dollars and just a bunch of adopted cats yeah i was about like, to say and the local aspca yeah yeah uh, but it but it, it's pretty cool too uh i guess like i don't know i'm i'm a, a math guy i'm kind of like a computery guy um, and so, you know, it, it, it hit my little nerd, uh, nerd buttons, um, that, eh, that, that phrase does not give me the good feeling. I'll try not to use nerd buttons again. Uh, whereas I'm going to use it as much as possible. Oh no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the movie, the movie is like a retro sci-fi movie that, is a period piece that takes place in the eighties and it, it follows a conference of sorts or a, 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 a I guess a tournament um, mm-hmm. where a bunch of leading uh, computer chess experts get together and they play their computer programs against each other and they hold a tournament and see who the best computer chess program is and then at the end of that tournament the computer chess program that wins gets to play an actual chess master and so um so the the movie follows kind of in a documentary style um of this uh, of this tournament yeah and weird things happen weird things start happening including the uh the, the independent uh what did they call him independent uh developer oh yeah yeah uh, pop papa george papa george yeah papa george um and no we aren't we aren't saying his name was papa george that was his whole last name papa george papa george although yeah. that is how it's spelled papa yep. mm-hmm. george yeah yeah who's uh kind of a scrappy egotistical um pretty much what you would consider independent um developer of a of a chess computer or a chess playing computer i have he doesn't act like do we actually even well we we see sort of his his game at the end towards the end of the movie but up until that point we mainly just are around him trying to figure out how to get a room yeah yeah (laughs) If you've ever seen the episode of The Office where Jim and Pam gets married and yeah. Michael doesn't have a room, uh, he forgot to make a reservation, and so he's just wandering around, that's the role 
Papa George plays in yeah. this in this little tournament. Okay, so yeah, that's that's kind of like the bare bones setup of it. We can get into the different characters. I actually w- did want to talk about Papa George, uh, but what did you think of the movie, Blake? So I I deeply enjoyed it. It is somehow not what I expected, but I also kind of expected not to expect it. <laughs> Just because this is the kind of independent film that, that I tend to like a lot because it's got a lot of things on its mind. Uh, clearly the guy who directed it um, has some chops. He knows how to uh, edit a film into a way, in such a way that it kind of keeps you on your toes. Um, and I, you know, I'm a sucker for the nostalgia retro feel of the, like the Betamax VHS kind of quality of film. And so, um, but yeah, I, I did not see the ending coming. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into that at some point, but I was really kind of impressed. Like it, it, it almost reminds me of the Seinfeld episode because it feels like a show that's about a, or a, a movie that's about a lot of things, but actually about a whole lot of nothing at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could, I could see Seinfeld. There's definitely Seinfeld esque conversations yeah. that happen in mm-hmm. it. Um, lines that Larry David could have written. Oh, easily. Yeah. 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 I could definitely see Larry David and, and uh, at least the two or three of the characters. Um, yeah, no, I I really enjoyed it. It was it kind of took me a second to process what I just watched, um, but once I kind of thought about it for a few days afterwards, I, I was like, "That's a cheeky little film, and I like it." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I and and I hadn't seen it for, I guess, nine years, and I watched it, and um, well, probably like eight years. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. And I watched it, and I was like, "Oh, I like." this this is good it still kind of holds up it's still kind of fun um mm-hmm. it also came out in the same year as as her and so i feel like these movies are both kind of like movies about ai and yeah. ai sentience and stuff like that so but this one was was significantly more interesting in my in my opinion yeah i mean I, I, don't, don't get me wrong i like i i love walking phoenix and so I will go watch anything the guy's in, but her, eh, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I felt similarly about her. Like this one, I I think about more often. Yeah, this one kind of sticks with with me a little bit more. And maybe maybe that's because like her felt kind of like slick to me. Yeah, and and this movie, you know, this movie's almost kind of hard to watch. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> there's. You know, it's a little jarring and it has that that VHS Betamax feel you were talking about that is just kind of grainy. Well, it Um, feels like it feels like a lot of the people he got to be in the movie were not typical. Like they didn't like they weren't actors in the strict sense. Yeah. In some in some ways, it felt like they were being fairly like normie. Yeah, I kind of wonder about that. And actually, I think I looked at the IMDb page and like a lot of the actors haven't really done haven't really done much since, too. Yeah. So I, I think I think that might actually be kind of true. I think 
I got the feeling that he's kind of like a an Austin filmmaker. I don't okay. actually know this, but uh, but a lot of the you know a lot of it kind of felt. I don't know why I thought that way. I don't know. Uh, this is going nowhere. So <laughs> I think do I've you, lost my train of thought. Do you think he knows Richard Linklater? So I think maybe that's what it was. Is I saw some like names, and Richard Linklater was one of them. And that's, you know, it kind of associated that mm-hmm. um, in my head. But uh, I think I think whenever I hear of a of an Austin based um, film or, you know, actor or something like that, I was my first question in mind is, did Linklater produce it? Because I feel like he's kind of got his his hands in like a lot of the Austin film scene. Like yeah. Everywhere there. So, yeah. yeah. Just so, just so we could connect to our previous episode. Uh-huh. Uh, every time I think of Linklater, I'm always reminded of the fact that Alex Jones was in Waking Life. He uh, was? I think so. I think he's a oh, character wow. in Waking Life. He's in one of Richard Linklater's movies. And it was like, you know, it was before he was completely insane but wow yeah that's that is that's crazy yeah that's a movie i haven't seen in a while and i didn't like it when i saw it but i was way, <laughs> i was young when i first saw it um, and i was like this is boring why are the, why are these animated people just talking all the time it's just so they should boring. be blowing shit up yeah yeah <laughs> i'm a teen i have needs I'm angsty. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was definitely my thought process. <laughs> so where do we jump into a film like this? I guess, I guess, well, so I was originally thinking of this movie because of this, uh, it, computer engineer who was in the news a month ago named uh his name was blake lemoyne Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh blake lemoyne is now very infamous for claiming that a google chatbot had sentience and so i was like thinking to myself oh what are some movies that deal with robots kind of and sentience and Mm -hmm. this one popped into my mind so, um, so I, it, you know, I feel like that discussion has probably already been discussed. So if you're like, I've, I'm done reading papers on Blake Lemoyne and whatnot, uh, then, uh, then I guess this podcast isn't for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that was kind of why I wanted to revisit it. And I think it does, you know, it does kind of an interesting, an interesting job of building that idea up too, because it's very, very subtle Mm -hmm. in this film. I think, uh, so, so kind of the main character of the movie is this, uh, computer programmer named Peter. Mm -hmm. And he is on the team from the program that won last year, at least the previous version. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, Czar 
2.0, I think it was. I think it was 2.0. I think it was 2.0 that won, and now and is, they're um, on 3.0. 3. 3. Gotcha. Yeah. And so uh, so they start playing, and the, <laughs> they start realizing that their program is actually really bad at, at <laughs> chess, which isn't the point. The point is to be good at chess yeah. in the chess tournament, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... They, you know, so Peter like goes off and it's his job to kind of figure out what is going on. And and he's waiting for his Ph.D. advisor to show up. You know, I'm sure, you know, he's the only grad student who's ever had that experience. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, he's just waiting for, you know, his his advisor to show up because his advisor was this is actually his program. And he's just kind of the code monkey, you know, for it. But, um, but yeah, so Peter kind of starts doing these tests and, and looking for, you know, why is this program uh, kind of playing so poorly? And he starts to notice and go with this hypothesis that, oh, maybe the computer program is actually bored of playing against other computer programs. Mm-hmm. And so he invites this, uh, he invites the one girl in the tournament. Who they make very clear as a girl at every chance. Yeah, yeah. They make sure to say, and the one girl in this tournament, (laughs) the first girl to ever be in this tournament. uh, And we were happy to have her. (laughs) And we're happy to have her, yeah. Yeah. he invites her to to play chess against the program and immediately you start seeing that the program is a lot more interested in playing against this mm-hmm. this person um so uh so he starts to kind of develop this hypothesis that maybe the program has some sentience to it mm-hmm and uh, I think I think it's kind of uh, I I just think it's so interesting how it like how it kind of builds that up like you know you get these breadcrumbs that that you know is this team just bad at what they do you know or did they fuck up or something like that but uh, is there yeah. something weird going on with the PhD you know the the guy who created the program are they. <laughs> selling their secrets to the military or some something like that yeah yeah um, which is classic conspiracy theory fodder right there so yeah <laughs> yeah and then while all this is going on there's another group right do you want do you want to explain this group blake there it's a couples therapy group yeah, uh, but but the teacher is is from Africa. I don't think they clarify where in Africa, do they? I f- feel like the guy that's that's like trying to get a swinger party going uh, says Nairobi or something like that at, at one point. Anyways, they're at this couples therapy, and every time they show them, it's it's they're doing some weird exercise with like they're feeling. They're like sticking their hand to into a, a fresh loaf of warm bread oh, and yeah. feeling around, and they're moaning while they do it. It's like this weird, like sexual therape- therapeutic activity or something. Yeah, it's supposed I think... to grow closer as a couple. I think. 
I think they do some group births yeah. too. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Uh, Papa George gets to gets to experience that. Oh yeah, yeah. Papa George. <laughs> At at one point, because he's he's still the whole time he's constantly looking for a room, he uh, he ends up sleeping in the the conference room, and that's actually the room that the the couples therapy is in first before the computer chess players play, and so he wakes up and they invite him into their their space and they give birth to him, so he's <laughs> renewed. <laughs> um yeah yeah so uh so what do you what do you think about the the sentience of the the sar uh 3.0 so so when it when the computer started first started making the bad moves i was thinking i think what's going to happen here is he the the computer is becoming so intelligent that it's doing moves in such a way it looks like it's losing but it's actually luring people into a trap and it's gonna like take lesser like a less smaller amount of moves to kill them or or to checkmate um and that clearly became not the case because they lose the first round and uh it's clearly the computer is losing at every like making horrible moves. Um, but I think what makes that kind of through line so fascinating is, is there's this other kind of crossing thread where the people that are supposed to be quote unquote human either become more AI or they get stuck in AI type feedback loops things like that Mm -hmm. um papa george especially kind of we the last time we see him he's basically going around in circles in a in a in a endless feedback loop uh in his mother's house (laughs) and and then of course the classic iconic last scene is you know peter brings a uh i guess a prostitute into mm-hmm. his room and the last the final scene you see is her taking part of her skull off and there's you know wires and stuff in yeah there. so it's like she was ai the whole time so i i found that the cross section of those the computer becoming more human and the people becoming more machine to be the most own like brilliant part of the movie is to show that that kind of because i feel like if you go fully one way or the other like we've seen it before but we haven't really seen it in relief against each other i don't think or at least i can't think of one off the top of my head that does it so uh cleverly um and so i think if it had had only been one of those things at at any point like i would have been the less interested but seeing that kind of one side devolve and the other side kind of ascend was really really fun uh, to to watch yeah i i almost think like kind of along those lines like peter he's almost kind of a tragic uh figure because he it's like he's like you know uh, working with this computer and it's taken him away from people in a way like he 
he's he's so focused on on thinking of the world programmatically yeah and then he gets this chance where the machine is like oh no this this isn't the way and he gets this chance to like oh maybe this machine can take me out of this yeah. and 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 there's this scene you know where where he goes and he talks to his phd advisor and he tells him like you know i think this might be happening you know and his phd advisor basically just shuts him down and is like that's crazy talk don't think about that you are this isn't this isn't worth your time this isn't how your world is going to work you are you need to think about you know programs and and math and numbers and and that needs to be your world Mm -hmm. very deterministic yeah and and i think that that's the point that like kind of kills something inside of him because there's this point later on so he has this he has this weird uh get together with um with the swingers who almost want to you know they want to open him up more way too beyond what he's comfortable with and i think that also kind of freaks him out but there's this sweet moment right before the end where he's approached by the uh the girl who Mm -hmm. is in the tournament and you can tell that she's kind of hitting on him she's interested in him Mm -hmm. and he oh it's such an interesting conversation so she tells him about this dream that she had yeah. where where all of the people start moving uh as chess pieces and mm-hmm. uh and and she's she's saying oh isn't this a fascinating thing about the world and he keeps asking her well did you did you see anything magic happen did you see anything beyond the programmatic happen did you see someone bump into another person and that person disappear or did you see you know uh, a horse teleport in in an l shape and she's like no i i i didn't i didn't see that like i there's still physical laws like and and at that point like he he again shuts down and he he can't like you know accept the humanity that she's giving him yeah and then she leaves and at the end he you know he chooses this prostitute and he treats her like a machine you know whether mm-hmm. or not she was one mm-hmm. you see that like that's kind of how he's committed to seeing relationships with people now uh cuz he's been so disillusioned uh so do you think that the <clears throat> So I think the question for me then is, do you think he was destined uh, for that end or did the machine finally crack him? And <laughs> and if AI becomes, if the singularity happens and AI becomes sentient, does that mean that they will eventually drive us all to become mirror machine? I have one of my favorite jokes with this is like, we usually have these two ideas, like the singularity happens and then like, like robots do all this work to make our society perfect. Yeah. Or, 
the singularity happens and robots, you know, overtake us like Skynet, you know, and, and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, what about, what if the singularity happens and robots just get high and sit on the beach all day? (laughs) Like, they're like, oh, we could just do this. We don't need your systems. We don't need money. We're just going to, you know, chill all day. Um, and and I I kind of think that the I don't know I think that the the machine in this movie almost takes that tactic where like you know it's it's not it's not interested in thinking in in being kind of used to win tournaments it's yeah. not interested in in stuff like that. And, you know, it just kind of wants to be understood. It just kind of wants to connect. And I think, I think that's like, a, I don't know, a more interesting version of, of future with machines. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, and I could also see a world where they're all getting fried on the beach. <laughs> and they are, they can literally solve all of the world's problems. They just have no motivation to. They just don't want to. They're just like, what? Why? Because I mean, most of those problems are are not interesting. You know, I mean, they are in some ways, and there are there are worthwhile problems to to go after. But but that but that begs that also begs the question of are we are we anthropomorphizing machines if mm. the singularity happens? Because would they actually act like us? if they become sentient. Yeah. So this is actually a good question. (laughs) So do you think Peter was just anthropomorphizing his thing? And then maybe in general, what do you think about this guy, uh, Blake Lemoyne's claims? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just enough of a weirdo to, to, to be like, I'm not gonna say no. Um, I'm not gonna, you know, you know, just flat out refuse to believe what he says. But admittedly, if unless there's more to his story than what is in the articles I've read, I don't think there's enough going on there for me to fully buy in to the quote unquote sentience of this program. Um, I think if I'd seen a computer play chess and I saw the computer do the things that it did in this movie, I might be more convinced where, where it was, it was specifically choosing who it would want as its opponent or as its uh, conversational partner or whatever it may be. Um, and clearly showing favoritism towards, you know, a type of opponent. So I will take it one step further than you with regards to Blake Lemoyne. Uh, dude is full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, I mean, no, actually. So, so there was an NPR article that, uh, that I sent you on this mm-hmm. and it was, uh, it was an interview, I think with Bobby Allen. Uh, from NPR and um, and I do think 
Lemoyne makes an interesting distinction where he says, like, who he he poses this question that I think is actually really interesting. And I'm like, okay, you got me a little bit. Uh, you know, who am I to say what God can put a soul into? You know, and I'm like, okay, okay. And then I have to think, like, okay, what do I think has souls? Well, I think rocks have souls. Like, you know, I think, <laughs> you know, but I don't think rocks are sentient. Like, uh, I and so I guess like if you if you're conflating sentience and souls, then then yeah, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think the program is is sentient. The lambda chatbot, it's. This is what I do for work. I work on AI that make decisions and mm. predict things. It's just a fancy function. If you took pre-calculus and you learned about how to compose functions, you know exactly the mechanics of what's happening. Yeah. There's a determined input and a determined output. And that's what is happening. Now... Mm-hmm. Sure. I don't know if people are more than just that. I believe that they're more than that. Mm -hmm. I believe that we're not just determined input, determined output. Yeah. But I know that this thing is just that. So I know that there's a level level there, uh, you know, or I believe that there's a level there of separation. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's where I think like, okay, he, you know, he's definitely, uh, uh he, he's gotten too close to the magic and he's, yeah. you know, too close to the illusion and he believes it's magic. Um, but, uh, but whether or not it has a soul, I mean, we say music has a soul. We say like, we understand what that means. And, mm-hmm. and this AI is definitely going to be a reflection of us in a sense, because that's how machine learning programs learn is they just take in data from us and they Mm -hmm. create reflections in a way. Um, And and I think people like Blake Lemoyne have interesting positions in the world because they're supposed to kind of keep an eye on what types of biases and what types of of things creep into these AI. And those are that's an important field. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, I think he's, uh, he's a little uh, off his rocker. Smoked a little bit too much, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, <laughs> if you read it, if you read about him, uh, I think, I think you might agree. Yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I mean, you could even go back to some of the ancient religious philosophers and then you can make a distinction between even soul and spirit because uh, they made a distinction between those two things as well. Now, I haven't read any of that stuff in years, so I'm not going to even try to distinguish what how they clarified the difference between those two things. But there is there are plenty of people who have thought about that and have made a distinction between those things. So not only do we have to deal with the issue of (laughs) does sentience mean something as a soul or does a soul mean sentience, but you also have to take into account that there might be another factor and that is the spirit. So what are any of these things and, and, and what quote unquote means it is living 
or intelligent or, you know, pick your poison. I've always, yeah, I've always thought though, like, and, and I think the movie kind of exemplifies this too, where it's so funny what we think is intelligence, right? We think like being good at chess is intelligence. (laughs) Like we think solving, well, I'm a math guy, so I know like solving some math problems actually takes a certain level of creativity and intelligence and and a multi-sensory approach, not yeah. just computing numbers. But you know, uh, we're we're easily tricked into thinking that uh, that that silly games and silly computations are intelligence, and we're yeah. you know we easily kind of uh, uh, get tricked by that. But like, um, I think the harder thing, and I think what we kind of realized 10 years ago when, um, when cars, we started to try to do autonomous cars Mm -hmm. was, uh, the harder thing is actually pulling in all of our senses and just kind of making a coherent narrative of mm-hmm. what's going on around us. And this is something that kids do when they're they're, mm-hmm. you know, really young. And kids are dumb as shit. They <laughs> that's they, they're just stupid, you know. And we say that, but they're actually really really smart, right? Yeah. They're in, mm-hmm. they're intelligent beings. Um and and it's that type of intelligence that's actually really hard to replicate. Yeah. So you can you can create a program that you can create Deep Blue. You can create uh, Deep Mind AlphaGo, which uh, is even a greater accomplishment than Deep Blue. It beat the the Go players. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, you can do that, but you can't. You know, you can't have. You can't create a computer that can do something every sixteen year old who, you know, you get frustrated at and you think is that, you know, you worry about the future of our country, uh, (laughs) they can drive a car, you know, every 16 year old can do, well, not every 16 year old, but you get my point. Yeah. Um, And I think, I think that's, we've realized that intelligence is a lot, uh, a lot harder. (laughs) Oh, well, yeah. And, and not only that, but we've, we've, at least in a lot of fields, sociology, geology, all sorts of things, we we notice that there's there's natural intelligence too, in the sense that the way animals react, interact, the way rivers, trees uh, create root systems, things like this, these are all quote unquote intelligence. Like this is these things uh, s- survive and you know unsurvivable landscapes things like that and so you know what what actually is intelligence are we basing it just simply on a human scale because we're egotistical creatures and we we see everything through the eyes of quote-unquote humanity and so we're superior in that way um 
or do we is intelligence more than just the brain or the computation or learning to do a really complicated and complex game well i mean i mean it's it's like my i have for quite a while questioned what true intelligence actually is i'm not convinced i can come up with a good definition because i'm not sure that there is a really like core defined idea of what it is so (laughs) yeah yeah and i think what you're talking about too like is is so interesting because especially like i i almost feel like in order to create an actual intelligent thing, we would need to answer that question that you're saying, which is like, what, what actually is intelligence? But in the examples that we have of AI, artificial intelligence, they're always approximations of us. Mm -hmm. And we know that there is intelligence outside of us. We know that there are other types of intelligence and I'm not talking about aliens. I'm Mm -hmm. actually talking about, things like elephants hmm. oh. and uh and and octopuses and things like that actually we know that octopuses are really smart uh i have a confession wait, wait. Is, it, is it octopuses or is it octopi i don't know i never yeah. remember this <laughs> i never remember if it's octopi or octopuses um uh, if you're listening right now, if you've made it an hour into our podcast, please leave us an angry message telling us which one it is. Uh, I would love that. Uh, and we will read it in the next episode. Well, uh, we would play it if it's a voicemail. Yeah. And the angrier, the better. Yeah. Um, oh, very much so. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but I actually have a confession to make. When I went to Korea, uh, I wanted to get some octopus and we went to this restaurant and they uh they cut up a a live octopus for us and we ate it old boy style so um i told my wife this and she was actually pretty upset with me because uh octopuses are very smart and she was like how could you do that um and they're that's very a good smart, point. but they're also very, very uh, isolated or isolative. They're loners. Yeah. So, 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 as one of my favorite authors writes about um, Justin E. H. Smith, he he wrote about he actually talked about the octopus not long ago, and he said, "What is intelligence if it's not shared? Like if you're if you're a." highly intelligent being that is isolative that stays by itself and only lives for like five to seven years like is that actually intelligence if it can't be shared or it can't be you know pushed forward somehow to something else or another octopus or another being or something like that Hmm. yeah (laughs) Passed down, remembered. Yeah. Yeah. Something. (laughs) Was that in the... So you sent me an article uh, by Justin E. Smith. Was that the No Minds Without Other Minds? Uh, Yes. It feels like that that title. Yeah. 
that yeah. was that was such a good article i didn't yeah. i it was so it was oh it was so good he's heavy i, I feel like heavy. i feel like all of the thoughts that i was having like watching this movie and like reading we'll we'll talk about the other article that yeah. that we read we have to talk about it because it was basically a book that i forced <laughs> that i forced you to read oh so, i enjoyed every minute of it uh, I, no complaints here yeah but i felt like all of the thoughts and feelings that i was having like you know considering this movie considering these things like he was just like already way ahead of me writing them down in just <laughs> a much more beautiful way um it, it it was it was a it was a joy to read that so yeah he's 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 fantastic um yeah, yeah. there's a reason I, I i subscribe to him uh, i actually pay for it he's he's very good um yeah so you did you did uh offer up a article that was uh entitled do elephants have souls correct yeah do elephants have souls um, and it was in the New Atlantis, which is a publication I also really enjoy often. Yeah. Um, they kind of write about science and technology and kind of culture, things like that. Um, one of my, one, another writer I really like writes for them uh, quite often, Alan Jacobs. Um, and so what, of course, whenever he writes something, I read it there, but, um, yeah, so I don't remember the author's name. She must be an elephant maniac though. Yes. Uh, it was goodness. It, she had a lot of information. <laughs> it was <laughs> Katrine Kuiper was yes. her name. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a fantastic article and I feel closer to elephants having read it just cause like, Oh yeah. You know, um and there's so many uh there were so many stories in it and resources afterwards but yeah it was she definitely must be an elephant fanatic oh 100 percent. well it's 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 one of those things like the way she was she was telling the story it was and i love people who do this um they they lead you along the path of what you expect to read and then they pull the rug out from under you so like there's there's times when you're like you know she's she's so much of an animal lover that she's gonna you know hound on these people who are hunting and killing them but then she tells a story about this uh i think it was a reporter who uh followed this this hunter uh who was searching for this uh dangerous killer elephant who had basically been mistreated and and ultimately took it out on numerous people and he was like i mean this hunter doesn't give two two shits about this elephant like he just wants to you know kill it turns out that this guy who was tracking down this elephant is in love with the elephants mm-hmm. and always gives them the opportunity to to, to mend their ways before he shoots them <laughs> and you're just like what yeah he like gives them i think he like calls it like a trial or something or he likens it to how we give people trials and stuff yeah Uh, yeah, that was that was uh that was one of my favorite parts of the article and i like i think there's a book based on that like to i think it's called to the elephant 
graveyard or yes. something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I want right. to. Yeah, I put it on my list of like books I need to read now because that that definitely fascinated me. Oh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah but the, I mean, she, she makes a really interesting point, and she does it by you know looking at it philosophically and sociologically biologically all like she literally covers a lot of ground mm-hmm. and, and like you said it's 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 a pretty lengthy essay um it took me two or three days to finish it uh, yeah i read it so, uh in the tokyo airport while, nice while i had time <laughs> that's awesome yeah so i uh i was really impressed with the way she was enumerating her points and that science has this has this taboo about anthropomorphizing animals because it quote unquote gets in the way of the actual scientific method of you know understanding the creature itself on its own terms which makes complete sense Mm -hmm. but then she'll go and she'll she'll make cases for why that actually ends up failing a lot of times Mm -hmm. that that going in the opposite direction and being cold and uh, studied and things like this actually doesn't help either. And so there's this like, there's this fine line of how do we understand another species that we is completely different from us that through a lens by which we will always see ourselves. Um, and so that I found that to be the most compelling part is how do we even know what s- hell? I mean, even on like if you there's a there's a sh- very like super short story uh, that was the basis of the movie The Box by uh, um, oh yeah Richard, Richard uh, Kelly Kelly yeah um, by Richard Matheson. And the whole thing is, you know, a man shows up at this couple's house and he says, if you, you know, push this button in this box, someone will, someone you don't know will die, uh, but you'll get this money. And they think on it and they think on it and they finally decide to push the button. So the wife pushes the button and her husband dies eventually. And the, the, the final kind of, uh, moment of the short story is well you don't really actually know him like it's this it's this question of do we even know our significant other yeah. do we even know our family and let alone a whole another species <laughs> like yeah what is it to put our mind into the mind of something that we have no basis of understanding and so like the way she just went about that in the article was just really compelling uh, and, and all of the difficulties and kind of the ways that we can falter in, in understanding those things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the box is criminally underrated. Um, by the Amen. way, I just need to throw <laughs> that out there. Richard Kelly. Uh, I know you're out there listening uh you need to make another movie it's been many years i'm appreciative that you re-released southland tales and maybe the momentum from that is is gonna you know carry you to another movie the last the last i heard you were supposed to be making a biopic of uh of rod serling that sounds 
right up his alley. Yeah, Perfect. he really does. Perfect. Really does. <laughs> All right. Well, I look forward to that. I look forward to that. Uh, anyway, but yeah, I think, yeah, the point you're making almost kind of fits into this, like, this article about no minds without other minds. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we don't, you know, if if we're so far, like, removed from the elephant, if we keep such a scientific approach and we don't, like, allow these other creatures kind of in to us, too, and into our lives, can they really share their intelligence to us? Yeah. And so can we even answer these questions of, like, do they have souls? At what level, you know, should we care about them if mm-hmm. we're just so... Uh, so cold towards them and i Mm -hmm. think you know i i got the feeling that that was that was you know a lot of what she was trying to get you to see was just you know yeah this this approach doesn't work yes there are dangers to you know turning an elephant into a mirror image of yourself but there's also dangers to not you know Mm -hmm. not getting close um, when I think when I think the problem that she points out is is science makes anthropomorphizing taboo for the wrong reasons. It's it's the 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 reason why we shouldn't do it is because we're ultimately going to make them in our image, like you said. But she makes the case that it should be okay to like you also said bring them into our life and to show commonalities to share those commonalities because there are elements of the elephant that clearly share commonalities with humans and so to relate with them on that level is not anthropomorphizing it's recognizing common ground mm-hmm. it's it's basically rejecting anthropomorphizing because it is egotistical um, we are only seeing them as um, human stand-ins, maybe, or yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah, she uh, she gives this interesting uh, kind of test to uh, to elephants to show their commonalities between mm-hmm. us, and I think uh, I forget who invented it. I don't have his name off the top of my head. But it was a, uh, it was like a, a philosopher who came up with this um, this test called tool, image, and grave. Yes. Uh, yeah. For for you know to kind of like see, um, I I don't even think it was a test necessarily. I think she actually uses it as a test, but it was more just kind of core things to humanity. Mm-hmm. And um, and the idea was that like humans create tools. Mm-hmm. We we do that. That's something. Um, maybe some other th- creatures do this too, but it, but it's kind of a unique thing. Um, we also uh, make images of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Art. We we mirror ourselves into things to to illuminate truths and things like that, and and that's you know a fairly unique thing, 
And then uh, grave, the last one is we remember our dead. Yeah. And we, um, we, we mourn and bury them. Mourn and we bury them. And, um, and we talk about them. We keep them, you know, with us throughout mm -hmm. our lives. And that is, that is also a very, very human thing. And so uh, this philosopher, again, I'm forgetting um, his name, but he boiled it down. You know, he tried to boil humanity down to these three things. And then she goes and she shows like, look, elephants actually do all of these things. Yeah. Um, yep. They they will grab sticks and they will use it to like get things out of um, their toes. And their toes. The they yeah. I actually thought that was kind of the weakest one. Of, yeah. Yeah. But but the the next two i think are even more core human things and she talked about these you know these interesting cases of these elephants who learn to like draw flowers mm -hmm. and then you know even stronger elephants remember their dead and they they yeah. they bury their dead and this is this is a crazy thing about elephants um you know and they remember the exact area to they, where if they're crossing that area once again, they'll they'll stop and they'll like mourn or seemingly mourn. Yeah, I was talking to a friend and they they mentioned I, I don't know if this is true. I should have looked it up, but they mentioned that elephants have intergenerational memory, uh, yeah. wow. which just seems crazy to me, too. I mean, it I seems mean, fitting. Within sure. What what is said in the article? So. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I was just I I was very fascinated by um, by that that test that she uses because I think it's so interesting in comparison to something like the Turing test. Mm -hmm. If you compare it to that, and I wonder if you could do some sort of test like that to uh, to humanity in you know in a machine there's there shouldn't be a reason why you couldn't also deploy something like that and say like yeah. you know is this ai creating tools is it making images of itself mm -hmm. does it remember it's it's dead what does it even mean to be you know a dead ai or something like that yeah you know and, doesn't that defeat the point of AI, like, you know. <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know yeah. um but uh but i think i i almost feel like it's a much more interesting test of of humanity and kind of intelligence and soul than than something that just kind of measures did you you know did you score highly on this game that i've i've given you yeah. and i know you know that's that's probably being flippant about the turing test a lot of really intelligent people have worked on on fleshing that thing out and, and well, yeah. stuff but yeah. but just because i mean i think you could make the point that intelligence doesn't have to be monolithic intelligence can be a multi-valanced multi-varied thing mm -hmm. um there can be different types of intelligence there there's emotional intelligence is different than brain intelligence. I, I happen to be a little bit, you know, I, I happen to be a fairly smart person. 
my wife is way more emotionally intelligent than I am. (laughs) I am a dumbass when it comes to emotions. (laughs) Uh, And I wouldn't, like, I don't trust my emotions because of how I recognize that I'm just not good at picking up on those cues emotionally. And so, um, but I can tell you a lot of really interesting facts about British imperialism for whatever that counts. So there you go. (laughs) Did you get to, when you were like over uh, at the, in the British Isles and whatnot, uh, was, was that part of your mind being tickled at all? Uh, to some extent, like, so we, we actually got to take a unauthorized tour of Dublin. Um, they said it was unauthorized. I mean, it's basically a bunch of, uh, researchers slash students that, uh, take people around a couple times a day during the summer. And it's like an hour, like 75 minute walking tour. And, but they tell you like pretty much the general history of, of Ireland from, development to uh 1922 which is the eastern rising um and so i mean it was really fascinating and like unauthorized in the sense that they had security guards that knew them and would like hold them accountable if they were like stepping in the way of people or something like that they would like yell at at the guides and say like get out of the way get get your people out of the way that kind of stuff so like is he would talk about, oh yeah, I know that guy. Let's, I'm gonna try to keep it quiet so I don't get his his attention. <laughs> so like, yeah, there there are elements of of learning about the Irish history and and kind of just generally seeing the ruins and stuff like that. But that itched a lot of that kind of um, knowledge. But um, yeah, I found myself. Uh, really strangely um philosophically minded when I, while i was there just thinking about the nature of like what is it to be like what is culture like what what even is being in a different country um like it's all made up like ultimately like <laughs> it's yeah <laughs> no i was man I had this experience going to like getting into the Japanese airport was stressful because I, I, you know, we didn't know if we were going to be deported, but they were just so nice to us still. And like, you know, we were like holding up the line and they had to like move us aside. But, uh, you know, people were like coming with like different like baggage carts and then they would like uh-huh. send it to us. And we actually got into this rhythm where we were just like helping them put them away while like <laughs> we were waiting to see like, you know, are they going to let us in to the airport and whatnot? Wow. And it was, it was just, it, you know, it was just kind of relaxing in that sense that like, oh, at least they see us as a human. And then it was so different. Um, and then also entering Korea was so easy and they were so friendly. It was so different than when we got back to the U S there were people barking, you know, there was this guy that was like, put your phone away or else I'm going to take it away. And, you know, it was just, just weird. And yeah, thinking about, thinking about borders and, and cultures and things like that. 
Yeah. It's very, it, it just, very fascinating. I have an, uh, uh, an interesting tidbit about, uh, about my wife in Dublin. She was actually born in Dublin. Uh, oh, what? Yeah. She is a dual citizen because her parents oh, wow. were, uh, were U.S. citizens and she was born in Dublin, and it was a couple years before they changed the laws, saying like you can't just be an anchor baby and be like, uh, you know, gotcha. and get citizenship. So, but she but has, she is. yeah, she has her That's Irish awesome. passport. It needs to be updated. She hasn't, still has her uh, maiden name on it. But has she been back since? No, That's no. one of our goals. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I hate to break it to you, but Dublin, you can see it in a day. Really, most of the interesting stuff is outside of Dublin. <laughs> all right. All right. I mean, I, I I figured that, but yeah. So, but but what does any of this have to do with intelligence? Oh, AI? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I I think I'm, I'm AI spent. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like that stuff. Like I said, that's. That's what I do for my job yeah. is work on different machine learning programs and uh, <laughs> and AI. But like, yeah, I think I think at this point, maybe I'm just talking in circles. Well, oh, so you're in endless feedback. loop. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking in loops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I did enjoy this movie. I think there's a lot to it. I think that's uh it's it's well worth a watch. And there's just a lot of really creative things that he does. I mean, we didn't we hardly even touched on the the, the couples therapy thing. Oh. But there is so much there that just was wild and like I mean trying to figure out how what part that plays into kind of the the, the bigger contrast like theme wise i'm not entirely sure i fully have, like have figured out that aspect yeah the only yeah so there's like two kind of main oh there's like three there's three main scenes i feel like with the couples group where they mm-hmm where they intersect with the uh, the computer programmers. The first one that comes to mind is the Papa George one we already talked about. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, he kind of like gets, gets brought into this group. The second one is, um, is Peter with the couple who like mm-hmm. um, want to, you know, have a threesome with him. <laughs> And, he, and be his parents. Yeah, <laughs> I was as uncomfortable as Peter, you know, yeah, exactly. was watching that. And then the th- the third one, though, is at the very end. They converge when the guy, the chess master, who's the MC of the whole tournament. Oh, that's he, right. And he's bragging about how like. Oh, I'm I'm not gonna lose to a computer program for at least three more years, you know, and um, and he even has like a bet on it, and um, so he plays against the winning program, and he's he's doing terribly, and he can't focus, 
and they like all surround him and they try to like kind of like hug him <laughs> and give him you know i don't know it i don't know what that scene means but uh but it was interesting well it's probably it's probably some weird wacky way to like instill humanity into a, a, a what has become a a uh humanist nightmare yeah. <laughs> i have a uh i wanted to circle back to papa george though yeah okay yeah i have a theory about papa george and okay. watching the movie i couldn't quite get a hundred percent confirmation that this is the thing so okay. this is this is a conspiracy theory or you know um but the movie talks about this thing it starts by talking about this thing called the mechanical turk which mm-hmm. is a is an old the the first computer and i put that in quotes because it wasn't a computer and they talk mm-hmm. about this in the movie too uh it was just a guy in a box i think papa george didn't have a computer program i think the whole time his thing was a mechanical turk there are two characters that lead me to think this on the side uh-huh. who kind of know papa george and there's this whole like they give him drugs and he kind of owes them money. But I also think they knew him going into the tournament and there was one of them who's actually good at chess. Yeah. And I think there's some connection there. And I, I cause he I also, that's brilliant. Cause Papa George does a really good job. It does, it makes it far in the tournament. He, he gets second place. Mm-hmm. So, so his program is really good, but he's also very, uh, he doesn't let anyone in mm-hmm. to like his thing and what he's doing. And he's very independent. He doesn't have a team and he kind of, you know, he chooses to talk about soul instead of getting into kind of the headier details of, of, of like programming jargon and stuff like yeah. that. So he has this snake oil salesman uh, mm-hmm. feel um, and and you always kind of get a sense that he's searching for for loopholes. So, uh, which makes it that more fascinating that he, if he had played against Sar two or Sar three that mm. he would have that might have actually been the AI versus the human, or the human versus the AI. Yeah. That's interesting. Jameson has frozen up again. Oh, no. Is he going to come back, though? Am I back? Is he? We'll find out. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Um, I'm back. I can see both of our... I think it's still recording, Blake. Oh, oh he's back. I, actually... I, was, I was giving him play-by-play again. <laughs> Yeah, I heard you in the play-by-play, and it yeah. was still recording mine. I think maybe my recording is also going to be there, and you're going to have oh yeah, it will. You trying to talk to me, and me also trying to talk to you, saying <laughs> like, "I see you." Uh, yeah, it'll be <laughs> it'll be perfect podcasting, <laughs> peak peak podcasting. <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think the the lockbox of the movie would have been Papa George versus Czar. Yeah, that would have been that would have been but, good. But that would have been too easy. Yeah. Because that's just not the kind of movie that that uh, Andrew, what's his name? Bujowski. Bujowski. Yeah. I kept wanting to say Bukowski, but I, I knew that couldn't be right. No. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't sure how to pronounce his name, and uh, my wife gave me a really good suggestion. She was like, well, you should just look up a video interview where someone says his name. And I was yeah. like, oh, I, yeah, I guess I just am learning these uh, these podcasting tricks, you know. Oh, man, along there's the so way. many. There's so None many. None of which I've used. Podcast hack. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a and, we'll have a whole episode dedicated to those later on someday. Yeah, just later on, later yeah. on. But but for now, you know, if you can't pronounce a name of a director that you are talking about their film for a podcast between two white guys, uh, then you know to look up in a audio and or video and audio interview of that person where they the host is forced to say their name. In front of them. In front preferably. of Preferably, yeah. Yes, so that we can get the facial recognition that the, that is, in fact, correct. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, Blake, did you have any closing comments about the movie or about the articles? No, no. I, I think we covered a, a wide swath. And, and and I think I'm I'm gonna include the uh, the article links into the uh, into the uh, uh, description. That way, people can actually. Oh, oh shit! We forgot to talk about it. We forgot to talk about it. So we were gonna record this podcast last week, last Thursday, mm-hmm. but God came down and he broke. Blake's AC so that we could talk about it this week and nearly forget about the glorious thing that happened in between that time that we were like, Oh, thank God that we get to talk about this (laughs) as we almost forgot. uh, A chess robot broke a child's finger last week. A seven year old child. Got got his finger broken by a chess robot. It was playing. Yeah, in Russia. In Russia? Was yeah. it Russia? It was in Russia. Yeah. Okay. World World Championship uh, finger breaking. Oh uh, my gosh. Man. And, and see, that's that's where sentience doesn't feel like a good idea to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, he. I'm. I'm sure the robot just thought it was cleaning up a piece that was there. <laughs> it's like, oh, this isn't supposed to be in this spot. I enjoyed I enjoyed the 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 article, the way it was written. They said that the, the guy who's running the tournament was like, yes, the the robot uh recognized he, he, the child didn't know any better and and took up started moving stuff in the robot's uh, turn and the robot took its finger and broke it. Um, clearly, yes, it was not good that the robot broke his finger, but the child should have known better. You know, <laughs> he acted, 
and and the developer is very smart all this stuff and i'm like man if there is if there's a better example of victim blaming then i don't know what it is (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) like i think i think there was like someone was like we should put the robot down or something and i was like that doesn't make sense either but like you know yeah maybe the child should just you know the that robot shouldn't be played in the tournaments right now because it clearly causes physical damage to people and that's not a good thing to have programmed into your robot even if it's a a bug let me let me just put this ear wig in your ear uh what if true intelligence is actually anthropomorphized through human ideals of what it, of intelligence would that mean that in fact that computer was the first sentient ai because its first instinct was violence uh <laughs> Oh man, I don't know. I don't think I have another hour in me yes. to take on that topic. And I also think, yeah, you're gonna get garbage thoughts from me at this point. Yeah. So, well, listeners, ponder that. Sound off in the uh, in in the message boards, yeah, or the voicemails. Be as angry as you want. You're talking to two pacifists here, so just let her rip. We don't care. So, yeah. Do you have any other thoughts, Jameson? I don't. Uh, no, I think, uh, I think, yeah, posting the articles is, uh, is great. And we'll, um, you know what? I look forward to what's coming next, where uh, you're going to yeah. tell us the next yeah. movie. Yeah, so uh, so I, I I feel like that is one area that AI actually wins against humans is that they don't get tired. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so the movie I picked for our next episode is uh, from 1980. It is uh, <clears throat> one best writing, or it was nominated for best writing at the Oscars. Uh, but it did not win and it has largely been overlooked as a film and it's a Robert Redford film and it's about prison reform so we're keeping it light people Mm. keeping it light it's a little film called Brew Baker and it is about the Arkansas prison uh, basically there's a massive issue in Arkansas prison and and the guy that Brew Baker is based on John Merton uh came in and became the warden and ended up getting fired within a year because he's trying to install a lot of reforms and he got fired once he found a bunch of a uh, gravesite with three bodies at the prison <laughs> oh. and so <laughs> man uh it is a movie i recall watching with my dad i have not seen it in probably over 20 years or more maybe even 30 years um i recall seeing it back in in high school 
uh, the last time I saw it. <clears throat> but I remember it it really imprinting some interesting ideas on my on my young mind at the time. And for whatever reason, the last two or three months, I've it has popped into my head numerous times. And I don't know why. And so part of the next episode is going to be why in the world did I think of this film? But we're going to have a good conversation too because who doesn't like talking about prison reform? I love talking about prison reform. (laughs) And that is not a lie. I'm so excited for this. Um, Yeah. So I I do have a couple of uh, articles. Uh, One is from the Arkansas Times. Uh, called the Arkansas Prison Scandal, which is all about, it's basically a breakdown of everything that happened with uh, Merton, Tom Merton. And uh, then I think there's a couple of others I may kind of push away, but that's going to be the main one. So, okay. Um, it's it's a little bit, it's lengthy, but it's not, not that bad. So. Well, I'm very excited. Um... Yeah. I have not seen Brubaker, um, and you know what? I haven't seen a ton of Robert Redford movies, so... Get ready, man. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. I'm ready. Especially when he's younger. Yeah. No, he was definitely, like, a super hot guy, Um, (laughs) which is... Definitely the well, metric, right? For... Really, per- really pushed your nerd buttons, huh? Oh no, no! Ah, <laughs> uh, all right, all right. I so yeah, yeah. Brew Baker, Brew Baker. So if y'all want to follow along with us, watch Brew Baker. I think we're gonna try to record again in a couple weeks. Which, since this is a <laughs> low effort hopefully high quality podcast that means we literally record and then i hurry my my ass up and i put it into a format and i upload it i uh i do uh i want to give a shout out uh to uh listener nate uh who has actually been following along and he <laughs> he watched uh he watched uh the movie we watched last time and he also watched computer chess in, in uh, preparation for this. So we know this, this Nate. Yeah. So he's a, he's a friend. He's a friend of mine. I thought he was just some random guy that reached out to you and was like, Hey dude, I'm going to totally follow along with you. No, I want (laughs) to give a shout out. Uh, I think that he will enjoy watching uh, Brubaker. Um, No pressure, Nate. You don't have to do it. Thing, but oh uh, no at this point you're locked i know who you are you're locked in <laughs> you're locked in for you're life. gonna disappoint us if you don't <laughs> all right well uh yeah. yeah i think uh i look forward to watching brubaker uh and reading those articles and yeah blake it was lovely as always getting to talk to you uh, about oh, of course computer chess and it was it was it was great talking to you, my friend. Yeah. And uh, I look forward to uh, to doing it again in a couple weeks. Keep it light next week or next time. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I like that we're keeping it light. Keeping it light on this <laughs> conspiracy. What it means to be human. Prison reform. <laughs>
Yeah. Do you see a common theme here? <laughs> I see a uh, a worrying trajectory. Yes. <laughs> That's what I see. Oh, don't worry. I'll throw a wrench in the works at some point. <laughs> yeah. All right, dude. Well, well I, so we, neither one of us shouted out our name. So I believe that means that our podcast name is Flyby Films. Flyby Films with Blake so everyone, and Jameson. That's right. So everyone, next next episode, we will officially introduce the new podcast name. So look forward to that, and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.